The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. In virtual worship, our sanctuary empty, we gather this Martin Luther King Jr. Sunday. Let us worship God in spirit and in truth. The liturgy, music, and sermon are offered in the praise of God for our virtual congregation today and later. Our service today includes the sermon recorded Tuesday, January 12th, along with music and liturgy from earlier services. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership, ministry, and service in our midst. And as the Spirit moves, when again it is permitted and safe to do so, your presence with us here in worship. Please note on our website the many possibilities for ministry and pastoral support available this week. Although our nave is empty, the music is full. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it.
may we pray. Almighty God, whose Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the light of the world, grant that your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, that he may be known, worshiped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, beloved, the radiance of Christ's glory illumines our path when we pause long enough and well enough to admit such brightness. Some such light is in the spoken word, as in the word of resistance of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., our Boston University alumnus, who said 50 years ago, I refuse to accept the idea that the isness of man's present nature makes him morally incapable of reaching up for the oughtness that forever confronts him. I refuse to accept the cynical notion that nation after nation must spiral down a militaristic stairway into the hell of nuclear destruction. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. As the choir sings our traditional Kyrie, may we pause long enough and well enough to catch again the glimpse, the light, the brightness of Christ's glory. Let us pray. For the grace of God, we would not be. But for the grace of God, we could not love. But for the grace of God, we should not speak. But by God's grace, we live and love and speak. Beloved, hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is meant not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Should I therefore take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that whoever is united to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is said, the two shall be one flesh. But anyone united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Shun fornication. Every sin that a person commits is outside the body, but the fornicator sins against the body itself. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, 
which you have from, from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The piece you are about to hear, the hymn to the eternal flame, is excerpted from a larger work called To Be Certain of the Dawn. To Be Certain of the Dawn was commissioned by the Basilica of St. Mary in Minneapolis as a gift to the Jewish community to commemorate the 60th anniversary of the freeing of Holocaust survivors and to help teach an important lesson. That lesson, the prevention of future genocide is in the hands of today's children. The composer Stephen Paulus died in the autumn of 2014 and the musical community continues to mourn his untimely passing. We offer this chorale, this excerpt, hymn to the eternal flame. In the composer's memory, and in honor of the message of his music and the hope, that enduring hope, that that message embraces. Please join me in praying responsively verses from Psalm 139 with the Antiphon.
Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. And now, beloved, rise up in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, for the singing of the Gloria Deo and the reading of the Gospel. Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. Glory to you, O Lord. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. It is not only an ethical imperative that directs us to love our neighbor, to feed the hungry, 
clothe the naked, welcome the stranger, heal the sick, and visit the prisoner? Should we do these things? Yes, we should. Is it our Christian duty to do them? Yes, it is. Is this a moral imperative for us to follow the teachings of Jesus? It is so. Then is this the gospel, the good news for today, for the Lord's day? Well, we might say it is not the whole of the gospel. For in the gospel, not only an ethical imperative, but also, and more so, a divine gift awaits us in Jesus Christ. You will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Let us receive the divine gifts of this day in the midst of all manner of personal, communal, national, and cultural challenges. Over the last 15 years, in concert with the tradition dating back several years before, we here have honored the memory of Martin Luther King Jr. upon this Sunday. Often, though not this year, this is also the Sunday at the opening of spring term, a kind of winter matriculation. Year by year, we have tried to probe the depths of our legacy, our inheritance, here at Boston University and here at Marsh Chapel, of the voice, mind, and heart of Dr. King, whose beautiful, unique, and aspirational monument greets us upon Marsh Plaza. Over the years, voices in concert with his have been lifted here on the third Sunday of January, prophetic, true, and loving voices, those of the Reverend Dr. Walter Fluker, four times, Mr. Christopher Edwards, Esquire, the Reverend Dr. Jennifer Quigley, the Reverend Dr. Peter Paris, Ms. Liz Douglas, the Reverend Dr. Elizabeth Siwo Kunde, and the Reverend Dr. Karen Coleman, and also the Dean three times, including last year, January 2020, in our service celebrating the opening of the Howard Thurman Center, along with Dean Ken Elmore and Director Catherine Kennedy. April 2018 also included 10 days of events and services, 50 years after King's assassination, culminating in sermons here at Marsh Chapel by Cornell William Brooks and especially by Governor Deval Patrick. For Martin Luther King Jr. Sunday this year, this 15th year, we listen solely to the voice of King himself in words all, including every undergraduate, should want to read and know and hear out of Martin Luther King's 1963 letter from Birmingham jail. For the work of ethics can open a world to us, a world of angels. When you feed the hungry, then you may be christened. When you clothe the naked, you yourself may be given a confirming gift. When you welcome the stranger, it may be your own joy in Eucharist that emerges. When you heal the sick, you may just find your own anointing and absolution. And when you visit the prisoner, it is your own soul that may well be fed. We are directed ethically to the periphery of life, hunger, nakedness, loneliness, illness, abandonment, so that our ethical zeal can carry us even higher. John knew well, perhaps best in scripture, that morals and ethics only take us to the foothills there is a great high mountain before us, and we find our way toward this height when, by surprise, in the midst of our work and duty, we are accosted by God, by the angels of God. So it is, for those who will hear some nearly 60 years later, words from Martin Luther King in the finest document remaining from the civil rights era, his letter from Birmingham jail. Those in prison, from Paul of Tarsus to Nelson Mandela, have long had wisdom to share. They've had time to think and so something crucial to say. The finest document from the civil rights era, now nearly 60 years past, is this letter. Its burden of truth, carried in soaring prose, is largely conveyed in these words. Impatience, justice, time, love, disappointment, and hope. In the quiet of this winter weekend, with all that swirls about us across this great land of the free and home of the brave, let us carefully meditate together 
on the gospel as heard through these words from Bur Birmingham. For we too, now in January 2021, sorely need the nourishment of impatience, justice, time, love, disappointment, and hope. As we enter the next chapter of American history, the central, lasting, troublous, challenging matter of race, of racism, of anti-racism meets us head on and headlong. This is not only an ethical set of issues. Rightly seen, rightly heard, this can be a gift of God to us. Perhaps at Marsh Chapel as a university pulpit, we have both the responsibility and the opportunity to place some of this near future work in the context of angelic words, none finer than those of letter from Birmingham jail. On completing the PhD, I went to our neighborhood college, a young Jesuit school, and asked to teach the religion chair, a wonderful woman and Tillich scholar, a former religious, said, you want to teach. So she assigned me the Introduction to Religion course, which I taught for two decades there, everything you never wanted to know about world religions, Judaism, Christianity, and yours truly. I asked about the curriculum. That is up to you, she replied, except here, she paused to look over at a photo of Daniel Berrigan. We always require the prophet Amos. We always require Augustine's confessions. And especially we always require letter from Birmingham jail, wise counsel. So let us meditate this morning on impatience, King wrote. For years now I've heard the word wait it rings in the ear with piercing familiarity. This wait has almost always meant never. We must come to see with one of our distinguished jurists that justice too long delayed is justice denied. We have waited for more than 340 years for our constitutional and God-given rights. The nations of Asia and Africa are moving with jet-like speed toward gaining political independence, but we still creep at horse and buggy pace toward gating a cup of coffee at a lunch counter. Perhaps it is easy for those who have never felt the stinging dark jab of segregation to say, wait. But when you have seen vicious mobs lynch your mothers and fathers at will and drown your sisters and brothers at whim, when you have seen the hate-filled policemen curse, kick, and even kill your black brothers and sisters, when you see the vast majority of your 20 million brothers smothering in an airtight cage of poverty in the midst of an affluent society, when you suddenly find your tongue twisted and your speech stammering as you seek to explain to your six-year-old daughter why she can't go to the public amusement park that has just been advertised on television, and see tears welling up in her eyes when she is told that Funtown is closed to colored children, then you will understand why we find it difficult to wait. There comes a time when the cup of endurance runs over and we are no longer willing to be plunged into the abyss of despair. I hope, sirs, you can understand our legitimate and unavoidable impatience. Let us meditate on justice, King wrote. One has not only a legal but a moral responsibility to obey just laws. Conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. I would agree with St. Augustine that an unjust law is no law at all. Now what is the difference between the two? How does one determine whether a law is just or unjust? A just law is a man-made code that squares with the moral law or the law of God. An unjust law is a code that is out of harmony with that moral law. Put it, to put it in the terms of St. Thomas Aquinas, an unjust law is a human law that is not rooted in eternal law and natural law. Any law that uplifts human personality is just. Any law that degrades human personality is unjust. Paul Tillich said that sin is separation is not segregation an existential expression of man's tragic separation, his awful estrangement, his terrible sinfulness. Let us meditate on time, King wrote. 
I have just received a letter from a white brother in Texas. He writes, it is possible to, that you are in too great a religious hurry. It has taken Christianity almost 2,000 years to accomplish what it has. The teachings of Christ take time to come to earth. Such an attitude stems from a tragic misconception of time, from the strangely rational notion that there is something in the very flow of time that will inevitably cure all ills. Actually, time itself is neutral. It can be used either destructively or constructively. More and more I feel that the people of ill will have used time much more effectively than have the people of good will. We will have to repent in this generation, not merely for the hateful words and actions of the bad people, but for the appalling silence of the good people. Human progress never rolls in on wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts of those willing to be co-workers with God, and without this hard work, time itself becomes an ally of the forces of social stagnation. Now is the time to lift our national policy from the quicksand of racial injustice to the solid rock of human dignity. Let us meditate on love, King wrote. Was not Jesus an extremist for love? Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Was not Amos an extremist for justice? Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Was not Paul an extremist for the Christian gospel? I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Was not Martin Luther an extremist? Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise, so help me God. And John Bunyan, I will stay in jail to the end of my days before I make a butchery of my conscience. And Abraham Lincoln, this nation cannot survive half slave and half free. And Thomas Jefferson, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. So the question is not whether we will be extremists, but what kind of extremists we will be. Will we be extremists for hate or for love? Let us meditate, meditate on disappointment, King wrote. I have looked at our beautiful churches with their lofty spires pointing heavenward. I have beheld the impressive outlines of her massive religious education buildings. Over and over I have found myself asking, what kind of people worship here? Who is their God? Where were their voices? Yes, these questions are still in my mind. In deep disappointment, I have wept over the laxity of the church. But be assured that my tears have been tears of love. There can be no deep disappointment where there is not deep love. Yes, I love the church. How could I do otherwise? I am in the rather unique position of being the son, the grandson, and the great-grandson of preachers. Yes, I see the church as the body of Christ. But oh, how we have blemished and scarred that body through social neglect and through fear of being nonconformists. Let us meditate on hope, King wrote. Perhaps I have once again been too optimistic. Is organized religion too inextricably bound to the status quo to save our nation and the world? Perhaps I must turn my faith to the inner spiritual church, the church within the church, as the true ecclesia and the hope of the world. But again, I am thankful to God that some noble souls from the ranks of organized religion have broken loose from the paralyzing chains of conformity and joined us as active partners in the struggle for freedom. They have carved a tunnel of hope through the dark mountain of disappointment. I hope the church as a whole will meet the challenge of this decisive hour. But even if the church does not come to the aid of justice, I have no despair about the future. I have no fear about the outcome of our struggle in Birmingham, even if our motives are at present misunderstood. We will reach the goal of freedom in Birmingham and all over the nation because the goal of America is freedom. Abused and scorned though we may be, our destiny is tied up with America's destiny. 
We will win our freedom because the sacred heritage of our nation and the eternal will of God are embodied in our echoing demands. So, Martin Luther King, letter from Birmingham Jail, 1963. Angels of God, ascending and descending, hear the gospel in this, the voice, the voice of Martin Luther King Jr. Meditation on impatience, justice, time, love, disappointment, and hope. You and I will need some measure of divine impatience with what is wrong in this next year. You and I will need some measure of divine justice to seize what is right in the next year. You and I will need some measure of time, kairos time, not just chronos time, to do the right things in the right ways at the right times in the next year. You and I will need some measure of love to bring meaning to work in the next year. And you and I will need some honesty about disappointment and its depths to endure the challenges of the next year. But most of all, you and I will need some measure of hope, that which we do not see but wait for with patience in the next year. May God bless us all. Let us pray. In a season of stagnation, dear Lord, make us impatient. In a season of unfairness, dear Lord, help us yearn for justice. In a season of delay, dear Lord, cause us to prize our time. In a season of decay, dear Lord, inspire us by love. In a season of disappointment, dear Lord, grant us courage to be. In a season of desire, dear Lord, may we hope for what we do not yet see. Amen.
In the words of Howard Thurman serve as our invitation to prayer. He said, when Jesus prayed, he was conscious that in his prayer he met the presence. And this consciousness was far more important and significant than the answering of his prayer. It is for this reason, primarily, that God was for Jesus the answer to all the issues and the problems of life. Thurman said, when I, with my mind and heart, truly see God and give myself in prayer, I too meet his presence. And then I know for myself that Jesus was right. As we prepare to give ourselves in prayer, you are welcome to stand, remain seated, or come forward to kneel at the altar rail. Now let us sing together hymn 473, Lead Me Lord. Almighty God, we begin our prayer as you taught us, lifting your holy name above all others, for you are our one true and living God. We bow before you, praising your name for your steadfast love and faithfulness, and we thank you for your mercy and grace. We trust in you with our whole hearts and pray for your guidance. Lord, we seek your presence and we ask you to direct our paths. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote, he who passively accepts evil is as much involved in it as he who helps to perpetrate it. He who accepts evil without protesting against it is really cooperating with it. Abide with us, Lord, and make us conscious of the evil around us and the evil within us. Forgive us. Restore our souls so that we will not be indifferent, that we will stand with those who have been and continue to be harassed, abused and marginalized. Give us the voice to speak out and the courage and will to take action against evil. Lord, our shepherd, rescue us from the dark path of indifference. We remember Dr. King and all who sacrificed and fought for the freedoms we have today. We are thankful that they leaned not on their own understanding, but let love and faithfulness guide their actions to change the status quo. We pray for those who continue to fight injustice, disease, poverty, and ignorance in this nation and around the world. Abide with us and give us the strength, conviction, and courage to join the fight. God, our deliverer, lead us on the path of justice and truth. We who are created in your image are diverse in many ways and perspectives. Gender, race, sexual orientation, political affiliation, country of birth, mental and physical capacities, to name a few. Abide with us so that we are able to recognize that each of us, no matter how different, is a product of your hand. Guide us to accept and embrace each other and help us to concentrate on how our differences complement one another rather than how they divide us. Instead of proudly comparing ourselves to others, help us to recognize that our different gifts and perspectives are given to us according to your grace. Thank you. Transform us so that we freely welcome and integrate different perspectives and gifts to strengthen our communities. Christ Jesus, guide us to the path of unity. We pray for our country's leaders and for all leaders around the world. Direct them in the way of wisdom and lead them on the path of righteousness. Lord, in the midst of our anxieties, we know that you are near. As a faithful people, we bring our concerns to you. We present our request to you, God, confident that your peace, which transcends all understanding, will guide our hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. 
We pray all of these things in the name of the Good Shepherd and complete our prayer together as he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
good gifts come from you, dear Lord, and from these riches we bring this offering. Help us to use it for your furtherance of your purpose in this place and for the benefit of those in need. Amen. May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes God's hand to you. The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen.